Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. If you just kind of shake your, your arms if you want to get the blood flowing. All right. Good deal. Uh, Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. You can be seated. All right. I know we're... Uh, uh, can I tell you something? Um, our God is faithful. Sometimes it seems like God is not faithful. Uh, Jesus was asleep in the boat. The boat was filling with water, and the disciples were bailing with water. Finally, just in frustration, they say, Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus ignores the thoughtless words and stands up and says, Peace, be still. And the waves became a calm, and the storm ceased, and the disciples were amazed. Job thought that God had forgotten him and abandoned him. Uh, One place he says, where is he that I could go and I could make my case against him? Where is he? He's abandoned me. But Job found that at the end of the trial, God blessed him twice as much as he had done before. God had not forgotten him, but he was afraid. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been afraid in the midst of a trial? And you say, God, where are you? It seems you've abandoned me. God, where are you? Don't you care? But God is there. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. When you are afraid, you need the Lord Jesus more than you ever need him. But praise God, we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. We can bring our fears to the feet of Jesus and he, because he loves us. Uh, the scripture we're going to look at today is a, a scripture where it seems like the wheels are coming off for the early church. James of Peter, James, and John. The Lord's inner circle of disciples. James has been captured by Herod. And put to death. Can you imagine how shocking that must have been to the early church? Before they even get a chance to mourn, he's also persecuting others. Before they get a chance to mourn, he arrests Peter. And he puts Peter in jail. Now, are they going to lose Peter too? The church becomes desperate. And they begin to call upon the Lord in prayer. They begin to intercede, but they really don't believe that God's going to answer. Have you ever been there before? Uh, They're praying fervently for Peter's release, but they're really not expecting that God will answer, that God will intervene. Perhaps they don't think he can intervene. Some time goes by, and Peter is scheduled for execution. And the night before his scheduled execution, God sends an angel. Now, In the meantime, by the way, Herod has given 16 soldiers the job of guarding Peter. Now, they go in shifts according to tradition and history. Uh, But but he's got all of these, these guards. There's the power of Herod. There's nothing that Peter can do in his own strength to change the circumstance. There's nothing the church can do in their own strength to change the circumstance But they have called upon God, they have brought their fears to Jesus, and 
God sends his angel and he wakes Peter out of a deep sleep. Now, I think this is a clue to something. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told Peter, James, and John, watch and pray with me. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, and they fall asleep, and they don't pray, and they all fail God. All of them fail God, but Peter especially fails God. He denies him three times in fear. I can't help but wonder. This scripture tells us that they were celebrating the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which the Passover starts. Um, And I can't help but think that Peter's mind must have gone back to that time of his own personal failure. At this same time of year, Jesus was crucified. Now Peter has been arrested. But here he is in a deep sleep. I believe that Peter had been praying and had found the peace of God that passes all understanding. He's in such a deep sleep that the angel has to strike him. That's what it literally is. He strikes him on the side to wake him up. Get up! Uh, he's kind of groggy. The, the chains just fall off of his hands and feet. The guards are oblivious to anything and The door opens before them. The angel leads Peter out. He's still kind of half asleep. He he thinks he might be dreaming. And finally, they end up, they go through the outer gates, and they end up in the the street a a ways away, and the angel departs from him, and Peter's standing there, and he thinks, maybe this isn't a dream, you know. Uh, What's going on here? And so he realizes that God has sent an angel to deliver him. And so he goes to the home of John Mark's mother, where the church is gathered to pray, and they are interceding for Peter. Rhoda comes to the door when Peter's knocking and recognizes his voice and forgets to open the door, let him in. She runs in, she runs in and says, hey, Peter's out there. They say, you are out of your mind. You're crazy. Well, maybe it's well, maybe it's his ghost. Well, you know, maybe maybe it's the angel that God has assigned. Some of the Jews believe that you have an angel assigned to you that could look like you. Per, you know, well, maybe it's the angel. You know, nobody believes, and so finally they go to the door, and there stands Peter, <laughs> who God has delivered, and he says, "Tell James that is the Lord's brother." Uh, and, and all the brothers about this, and I'm going to another place, and he goes his own way. God delivered him. In the midst of, in the, midst of the fears that Peter had, that the people of God had, God brought a deliverance. And we need to bring our fears to Jesus. Jesus is able. I want to tell you something. Jesus is always able. He's able to bring us through the trial. He's able to deliver us from the trial. And he has the wisdom to know what, which one is best. We need to bring those fears to Jesus. So the title of my message is Bringing Our Fears to Jesus. And look with me at verse 1 of Acts chapter 12. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church. And he executed James, the Lord, uh, the James John's brother, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of the unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him 
intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door at the outer gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. You're out of their mi- your mind, they told her. But she kept insisting that it was true, and they said, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Motioning to them with his hands to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell these things to James and the brothers, he said, and he left and went to another place. So bringing our fears to Jesus, what fears should we bring? Well, first of all, bring your fears of unexpected loss. Bring your fear of unexpected loss. Look at verse 2. And he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. This was a shocking loss. This was an unexpected loss. Sometimes we can have fear of an unexpected loss. Uh, My dad has been in and out of the hospital several times lately. Uh, and a couple of times on the way to the hospital, I've been praying a prayer something like this. God, I would like to have my dad around a little bit longer, but I also don't want to pray him into a season of further suffering. So, Lord, I'm trusting you with this. I know that you know what's best, and I'm asking you to work and move in this situation according to your will. And in God's grace, I've been able to have my dad around a little bit longer. But, but there was a, a, a fear and a sense that perhaps this would be my dad's last trip to the hospital. This would be the last time I saw him. Uh, we can have fear of unexpected loss, right? We can have fear. Listen, I had three uncles die in their 40s. We just don't know, right? We don't know the, the time of our passing. We don't know God has our days numbered, but we don't know. Sometimes there can be a fear, but we can bring those fears to Jesus. As the church saw what happened to James, I'm sure there must have been fear of further unexpected loss that would take place in the church. But they brought those fears 
to Jesus. Uh, I can remember a time I was afraid based on circumstances in my past. Have you ever been there? Something happens in your past, and then you become afraid. And you think, oh, what if this happens again? And, and sometimes we can be paralyzed by fear, but we can bring those fears to Jesus. God has said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we can bring those fears to Jesus. Scripture tells us, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and Supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, uh, bringing our fears to Jesus, what fears do we need to bring? Bring your fears of unexpected loss. Bring your fear of repeated failure. Bring your fear of repeated failure. Look at verse 3. It's talking about Herod. It says, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. In other words, he's intending to try him and kill him after the Passover uh, is over. So, what's happening? Passover. It hasn't been long, but there was another Passover, and Jesus died. I can't help but wonder if Peter is, is drawn back to that time of failure in his life. Am I going to fail God again? The same circumstances. This sounds eerily familiar. And that time... They were afraid. They all fled, right? And then Peter denied him. Then the scripture tells us they were locked together in a room for fear of the Jews. They were paralyzed by fear. They thought, who's next? And so uh, Peter remembers his failure. Now, I believe, as we talked about before, He's in a deep sleep. I think he's taken that. He's found that peace that passes understanding because he's brought his fear to Jesus. But what it does tell us here in this scripture is that the church prayed. The church prayed. Now listen, you need to pray. If you're going through a time of trial, a time of temptation, you need to bring uh, that struggle to Jesus. You need to bring your fear of failure to Jesus and, and tell him what you're thinking and tell him what your concerns are. He knows those things anyway. And let him work and move and uh, bring Scripture and other people into your life to help you, encourage you, uh, and to provide his supernatural help and strength for you in your time of weakness. Um, our, our, what, is, what does God tell Paul? He says, he says my strength is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that wonderful? So we can bring that weakness to Jesus. But uh, this fear of repeated failure, I can't help but wonder if these things are running through Peter's mind. Perhaps the devil is bringing them up. Did you know the devil likes to do that? He will place in your mind, oh, you remember when you had this failure in your life. He'll remind you of of your past. Now listen, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, but it's different. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. Why? 
so that you can confess that to God and repent of it. And once you confess it and repent of it, the Holy Spirit won't bring it up again. Did you know that? It's buried in the sea of forgetfulness. It's as far as the east is from the west. God says, I will remember your sins no more. It's not going to be brought up again. The devil, on the other hand, will bring it up as often, as frequently as he can to discourage you, to demoralize you, to make you think, what is the use? Have you ever had that thought in your life? I'll tell you where that comes from. It's straight from hell. It's straight from the devil. This fear of repeated failure. Now, you do need to have some wisdom. One of the reasons I think we have repeated fear of repeated failure is because we've had repeated failure. Have you ever, can, can I get a witness there? You know, I think all of us have had that time where we say, well, you know, I just confessed this last week, right? I, here I am, I've blown it again. And, and praise God that where sin abounds, there did grace much more abound. But this fear of repeated failure, God does not want us to live in that. I love what, uh, what Paul says. He says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, sometimes the devil will remind me of things I've done. And, and uh, you know, I just agree with him. I say, well, you're right about that. But can I tell you something? I am bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. I am covered uh, and clothed with the righteousness of Christ. I am forgiven. Where sin abounded, there did grace much more abound. And, uh, and, and I just remind the devil what Jesus has done for me and that I am bought with a price that God has granted me eternal life because of the sacrifice of his son and that my sin is forever in the past. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, so this fear of repeated failure can be brought to the feet of Jesus. And can I tell you something? Jesus is tender with his people. You remember Peter's failure before? He denies Jesus three times. So what does Jesus do? Peter's, well, he's, he's, left, he's left ministry. He's, he's out on the, on the uh, lake fishing. And Jesus comes, and they've had a whole night where they've not caught anything. How frustrating is that for a fisherman? And Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. Now, this had happened before. But they don't really recognize that this is Jesus right away, you know. And um, so uh, they do. They throw the net and, and they get the catch. And, and Peter rec- recognizes who it is. This is Jesus. And he, he dives into the water and, he, and so forth. And they go and they meet Jesus. They have a meal with Jesus. And then Jesus talks to Peter and he says, look. He said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Shepherd my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs, three times. How many times Jesus, uh, did Peter fail Jesus? Three times. How many times did Jesus recommission Peter? Three times. Where Jesus said, I know your sin. I know what you've done. But I still love you. I still have a plan for your life. I still am going to use you. Feed my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. Feed my lambs. Peter, I'm not through with you. Isn't that a wonderful thing that we serve a God like that? So, bring your repeated failure and your fear of repeated failure to Jesus. So, bring our fears to Jesus. What fears should we bring? Bring 
your fear of unexpected loss, your fear of repeated failure, your fear of uncontrollable circumstances. Uncontrollable circumstances. You ever been there? Things are out of your control. By the way, did you know things are always outside your control? <laughs> Listen, God's in control, but you and I aren't. I mean, really, our control is an illusion. The only one who's in control is Jesus. But in certain circumstances, we are reminded of how out of control things are. And for, in verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison. I love this. But the church was praying for him. Now, uh, the, the Greek is, on the one hand, he's kept in prison. But on the other hand, the church was praying. <laughs> so, uh, yes, were these uncontrollable circumstances? On the one hand, in human uh, understanding and, and human power, they were out of his control. There's nothing Peter could do. Uh, he wasn't going to overpower the Roman soldiers that were, were guarding him. Uh, Herod had more power than the early church did. They couldn't, couldn't somehow bust Peter out of jail. This was outside their control, outside their experience, outside their wisdom. Uh, and yet, as they bring these things to God in prayer... God changes the circumstance. There have been a number of times that I have felt like things were out of, out of control. Uh, there have been some sickness in my family at times that has made me feel as though I was out of control. What can I do? No one has an answer. The doctors don't know what to do. Have you ever been there? Uh, or uh, perhaps there's a problem that I don't know how to solve. I've had that happen a number of times, and I, I go to the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to handle this. What should I do? It's outside my control. God, what am I going to do? Uncontrollable circumstances. Well, on the one hand, Peter was kept in prison, but on the other hand, the church was praying fervently to God for him. I want you to know something. As you take those uncontrollable circumstances to Jesus, there's nothing too hard for him. He can deliver you as he did with the disciples we mentioned a moment ago. He said, peace be still. He delivered them instantaneously. He can do that if he wants to. All he's got to do is speak. He doesn't even have to break a sweat to solve the issues that we face. But sometimes... He doesn't instantaneously deliver us. Sometimes he carries us through the trial. But either way, as we bring our fear of uncontrollable circumstances to Jesus, Jesus, who has perfect wisdom, who knows all things, can guide us through that time and show us what to do. Isn't that wonderful? Isaiah said, you will hear a voice behind you saying, here's the way, walk in it. Listen, I don't know what I'd do. At certain periods of time in my ministry, if I didn't know that God was with me, that God could guide me through that circumstance and that uncontrollable circumstance, I don't know what I would have done. But praise God, He is there. <laughs> and He has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's there in the good times. He's there in the bad times. He's there in the in-between times. And, he, and we can call upon Him. And he, and he has a heart of love for us and, and can guide us through the difficult things of life that we don't understand, that we feel are out, outside of his control. 
Um, God can give us things that we can't get on our own. By the way, salvation's a perfect example, right? You, did you know you can't get salvation on your own? Did you know that aside from the grace of God, your sinful condition is an uncontrollable circumstance? You were born with a sin nature. Uh, you and I have committed so many sins that we're so far short of the standard, there's, there's, no, there's no chance. I, sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, I, I do good, and I think God will look at the good things I've done, and he'll weigh those good things against the bad things, and he'll let me into heaven. That's a lie. Nobody gets to heaven because they do good things, because all of us are sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're helpless without Jesus Christ to do anything about our sin. Jesus said, be you perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. I don't know about you, but I can't be perfect for one day, much less for a lifetime. So, praise God, Christ died for sins. Once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Isn't that wonderful? He lived the righteous life I couldn't live. He died the death I deserved. He rose again in mighty power. And because of what he has done, when I repent and put my trust in Jesus, God extends his grace and delivers me from hell. Delivers me so that I can have a relationship with Jesus uh, delivers me so that I can have a home in heaven when I die. Uh, delivers me so that I can have hope in the midst of dark circumstance. And it's all Jesus Christ. Uncontrollable circumstances are Jesus' specialty. <laughs> Ask Daniel. He spent some time in a lion's den. But Jesus closed the mouths, closed the mouths of the lions. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego spent time in the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looks and he says, hey, I see three. No, I see four. And one is like a son of the gods. He walked through the fiery furnace with them. Well, I thought Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man on the earth. I thought if he gave you a death sentence, there's nothing you could do about it. Yes, that's true, but Jesus can step in to an uncontrollable circumstance and bring deliverance and hope. So bring your uncontrollable circumstances to Jesus and bring the fear uh, to Jesus. Bring our fears to Jesus. What fears should we bring? Bring your fears of unexpected loss, of repeated failure, of uncontrollable circumstances, of enemy schemes. Of enemy schemes. Look at verse 11. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. Now, the Jewish leadership, of course, Peter is Jewish, right? So he's not anti-Semitic, just in case you were wondering. Uh, he's, this is not a safe. He's talking about the Jewish leadership here, okay? The Jewish leadership had been plotting and planning uh, to do whatever they could to disrupt the church of God. They did not like uh, Jesus when he was here, and they put him to death, and then he rose again. They didn't like that even more. And so they're doing whatever they can to oppose the work that God is doing through his church. And now they've got Herod on their side, and they've killed an apostle. 
uh, the schemes that seem to be ineffective or ineffective uh, earlier now have reached a level of effectiveness. But these enemy schemes are no match for the power of God. And Peter says, I have recognized that God's rescued me from Herod. He's rescued me from the Jewish leadership. All of the schemes, all of the plans that they had have been thwarted. In one night, God sends his angel. By the way, did you know God sent an angel in response to Hezekiah's prayer? Hezekiah's got an Assyrian army camped around Jerusalem. He prays. He rolls out this, this document that the official of Assyria has sent to him. He says, Lord, look at what they're saying about you. and Look at what they're saying about uh, our, our uh, nation. And uh, they have reviled your name. And God, would you do something about this? He brings his fear to Jesus. This enemy scheme, they've defeated everybody but Jerusalem. God, they're around our capital city. God, what are we going to do? And he brings it and he rolls out that document and God sends an angel during the night and he kills 180,000 Assyrian troops. One angel. 180,000 Assyrian troops in one night. And finally they discover it the next day, which is another story. Uh, but God brought a great deliverance. The schemes of the enemy. Boy, they, they backfired with Jesus, didn't they? Jesus let them fulfill the scheme. And then he rose from the dead. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you something. Uh, you may have human enemies scheming against you. You can bring that fear to Jesus. I guarantee you, you've got a spiritual enemy scheming against you. You can bring those fears to Jesus, too. Did you know that God gives a supernatural power? I love what uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, we destroy strongholds and every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and of God. He says, we have these spiritual weapons that we can use to do battle with the enemy. And God's power is greater than their power. Praise God for it. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Uh, behind the schemes of the Jewish leadership, behind the schemes of Herod to be popular with the Jews, uh, was, I believe, a spiritual scheme to try to come against the church of God by the enemy. But whether those schemes are physical or whether those schemes are spiritual, God can take care of those schemes. Enemy schemes. We can bring those fears to Jesus. Um, I recently was uh, thinking about a, a season of my life where uh, I had some enemies scheming against me. Uh, not, he, not here. Okay, I'll just, just say that in case you're wondering. Uh, but... Uh, but I had some, I had some schemers and, uh, trying to capture me in what I say, trying to trick me. In some cases, lying about me. That's not too pleasant. Uh, but you know what I found? I could take those fears to Jesus. 
and God brought me to the other side. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So, um, bring your fear of enemy schemes to Jesus. So, bring our fears to Jesus. What fear should you bring? Bring your fears of unexpected loss, of repeated failure, of uncontrollable circumstances, of enemy schemes, of unanswered prayer. Verse 16, Peter, however, kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Okay, so you're having a a prayer meeting. What is the content of your prayer meeting? Lord, deliver Peter. Lord, help him not to be killed like James. Lord, bring him back to us whole and secure and sound, and uh, let him continue to, to minister for your name. I, I'm just guessing, but I'm sure that was the gist of the prayer topic that was going on that night. And what happens? Peter comes to the door and nobody believes it's him. <laughs> you know, uh, somebody says, well, yeah, I believe in prayer, but yeah, but do you pray, believe it, right? Uh, they're not believing as they pray. They don't expect God to answer. Have you ever been there? Have you ever feared God's just not going to answer this prayer? Maybe this prayer is too hard for God. Maybe you wouldn't say that, but you feel that in your, in your spirit. Well, God wouldn't do that. Uh, God knows my past. He would never be that good to me uh, to answer this prayer. You'd be surprised. Listen, when we're struggling with our faith, we need to ask God for faith. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. We need to spend time in the Word. Sometimes people say, well, I don't need to go to church. I I can worship God in my home. Yes, but you cannot be edified by the people of God in your home. God has given us a church body for a reason. And you need the edifying work of the church of God. The church builds our faith. The Word of God builds our faith. Worship as we praise and exalt the name of Jesus. It builds our faith. All of these things can help us to pray in the right way. But what if you've got a fear of unanswered prayer? Bring it to Jesus. Say, Lord, I I know I should have faith. And by the way, I've done this, okay? I, I know I should have faith in this, but I'm struggling with my faith. I know I should be believing, but I'm not. Please change my heart. Please help me trust you. And uh, Lord, please handle uh, this situation that I've been praying to you about. Maybe you've prayed so long for something that you just don't think it's ever going to happen. And you have this fear that it's not going to be answered. I had a a next-door neighbor. I've told you about this before. It's worth retelling. Uh, He was in his 80s. And one Sunday night after church, um, his uh, little grandson ran over to our house. And he said, Grandpa's fallen down and uh, he's not breathing. Would you come over and help us revive him? and so Sherry and I went over, and uh, if you've never done that, it's a, something that sticks in your mind, and uh, you never forget. Uh, but uh, we tried to revive him. We were unsuccessful in reviving him. <clears throat> but as I, as I was in the room trying to revive this man, I hear his wife in the next room wailing. Now, some of you cry. There's a few of you that wail, okay? And you know who you are. This woman was wailing. And she said, I don't know if he knew Jesus. I don't know if he knew Jesus. I don't know if he knew Jesus. And she, in her desperation, was crying out in her grief, thinking her daddy had gone to hell. 
praise God, that was not the case. And I was able to go in there and tell her that her dad had given his heart to Jesus just a couple of weeks before. And, uh, but this fear of unanswered prayer, what I found out after that episode was that this man, he had 12 children. 11 of his 12 children were Christians. And they had been praying for him by name. They had been trying to witness to him, and he wasn't very open. Matter of fact, he wasn't even open with me beforehand. He'd say, well, I want to be a good neighbor, but let's not talk about that. That's what he would tell me. But God got a hold of his heart, and he gave his life to Jesus. Listen, don't give up. Bring that fear of unanswered prayer to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm afraid you're not going to answer. Lord, help me. Shore up my faith. Help me hold on to you. I love that story where Jacob meets the angel of the Lord or the messenger of the Lord. That is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. He meets him at the brook Javik. And there he's, he's getting ready to go back to Esau and try to make up with Esau. And he wrestles with this angel all night long. By the way, if Jesus is wrestling with you and he lets you stay in the battle that long, he's got a purpose. Okay. So um, finally, uh, he says, let, the angel says, let me go. Jesus says, let me go. The day is breaking. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he touches his hip. Je- Jesus touches his hip and it goes out of joint. And uh, he blesses him. And kind of a a strange story, but it's a great illustration of how we hang on and keep praying until the answer comes. I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, we can't manipulate God into doing something he doesn't want to do. But we can remember the promise. You see, Jacob, he had a daddy named Isaac. And Isaac had a daddy named Abraham. And God had made promises to Abraham. And God had made promises to Isaac. And yes, God had made promises to Jacob. And Jacob says, hey, I know what your intention is. And I know what you've promised. And I will not let you go until I get the answer. Did you know God wants us to be bold in prayer like that? He wants us to hang on to him and to keep on praying in faith. I'm grateful for the honesty of our story today that they didn't really believe that God was going to answer because it gives me encouragement for the times that I haven't trusted God as I should. But praise God we can bring those fears of unanswered prayer to Jesus. Bring our fears to Jesus. What fear should you bring? Bring your fear of unexpected loss, of repeated failure, of uncontrollable circumstances, of enemy schemes, and of unanswered prayer. Can I tell you something today? If you don't know Jesus... You should have a fear, and that is a fear of hell, a fear of going into eternity without knowing Christ. But praise God, you can bring that fear to Jesus today. And Jesus has paid the price. He's done all that needs to be done for you to have eternal life, to escape hell, to go to heaven, to to know God, to have a living, vital relationship with a God who can make a difference in your life. You can get that fear settled this morning.
before you leave this place. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do it. Uh, in a moment, uh, after I pray, we're going to have a time of invitation, and I'm going to invite you to come. And, and by your coming, you're saying, Lord Jesus, I'm ready to surrender to you. I'm choosing to turn from my sin in my own way to follow you, and I'm trusting you to save as you have promised. And, um, and uh, as you do that, and uh, you come forward, and I can help you with a, with a prayer of assurance, which holds, uh, grabs hold of another promise, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can leave uh, with assurance that Jesus has saved your soul. If you're here today as a child of God, maybe there's a fear you need to bring to Jesus. Maybe you need to come to this altar and just pray over something in your life that you've been dealing with. If you need prayer here at the front, I'd be happy to pray for you this morning. Would you respond to the Lord Jesus today? Let's stand. Father, we thank you for this time of invitation, that we have the opportunity to make decisions for you and to uh, come to you with our fears. Uh, Father, I especially pray for those today who don't know Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd give them the courage to step out and make a decision today. Uh, if they're watching online, Lord, that you'd give them the courage today to tell you, Lord Jesus, I choose to turn from my sin in my own way to follow you, and I receive your grace, and I trust you to save me as you promised. Lord, help them to, to pray and help uh, these today to come. And we